Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Clear Industries, in association with Rhinestone Radio Podcasts, is proud to present Old Hollywood Realness. Brought to you in vibrant podcastoscope for your listening pleasure. Join your hosts Kathleen Null and Philip Estrada as they recap Hollywood's dazzling darlings one film at a time. And now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Okay, cool. I'm recording, too. <laughs> Yay! Welcome back to Old Hollywood Realness. Welcome back. The podcast dedicated to all the glitz and glamour of Tinseltown's golden era and all the people who make it possible. I'm one of your hosts, Philip Estrada. I'm the other one, Kathleen Nall. Yay, welcome back, everybody. How are you doing, Kathleen? I'm How good, you- just working a lot. How are you? I'm okay. Same thing. Work, work, work. And, uh, you know, quarantine, quarantine, quarantine. <laughs> that, but too. Things are starting to open back up, which is interesting. I don't know how I feel about that, but we'll figure that out. It's something to navigate mentally and emotionally. I've learned that feelings are not valuable at this time. (laughs) Because they just seem to slow down trying to take one hour one day at a time. (laughs) It's surreal. Let's just call it that. Let's just call it that. Um, So we're actually here to talk about, um, this is what, volume two of our uh, OHR What a Drag Summer Series? What a drag! What a drag! (laughs) Very excited to talk about this movie. Um, Yes. We're here to talk about Some Like It Hot from 1959. Mm -hmm. Yes, Queen! Uh, This (laughs) is, let's let's run down the stats of this one. So um, it's uh, uh, directed by Billy Wilder, um, also Mm -hmm. written by him as well. It stars Marilyn Monroe as Sugarcane Kowalski, uh, Jack Le- Jack Lemon as Jerry or Daphne, um, and Tony Tony Curtis as Joe or Josephine. Also, he plays Junior. He's got three kind of weird roles in there. Uh, George Raff plays Spats Columbo. Uh, Joey Brown plays. Um, Osgood Fielding the uh, third, Joan Shawley plays um, uh, Sweet Sue, and um, where is there's another guy too that I wanted to give credit to, which would be um, Beanstalk. Oh, there he is. Beanstalk, played by Dave Barry. (laughs) Beanstalk! Him or or the bellhop. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. The bellhop was everything. What was his name? Al Brenneman, I think, is the name. Dude, he he crushed it. (laughs) I had forgotten completely about that character. He almost felt modern in in his delivery. It was so funny. I also just, I need to start, I need to get a fucking bow tie on an elastic strap so I can start, like, snapping it the way that that kid did. He was so bananas. I was like, dude, oh, you're man. Like, like you're like 11. Stop it. He, I know. You shouldn't have that much game for being that <laughs> small. No, he's just crushing Juvenile. Pussy up I know. <laughs> I mean, that was different times, but Jesus Christ. He's, he's like, I'm 13, but I fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. And he Started probably a- did. <laughs> Poor thing. <laughs> and then he gets to his middle age and he's like, why am I still messed up? Um uh so Kathleen, do you have a history with this film? Um, oh yeah, this and- was um yeah, for sure. This is a family favorite. Um we uh my 
I I have a, a pro Maryland family. <laughs> She's a we love we love her. So um, yeah, growing up, this was um, I'm pretty sure this was in our little collection of VHS Maryland. We had this one. We had How to Marry a Millionaire and Gentlemen yeah. Prefer Blondes. I mean, and then this was also almost like tip. a <laughs> I know. And and I also I always think of this one being a sort of a double feature that we would watch usually on the same day with Early Modern Millie. So this oh, would have nice. been like. This would have been like a twofer because they were very similar and, mm. and, um, and you know, just very similar. And yeah. <laughs> like, Yes, as playing fast and loose with the 1920s. This one is playing and, real fast uh, and real yeah, loose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, this yeah. is definitely a good period, period-ish. period I was thinking a lot about, like... Um, uh, singing in the rain, which we mm-hmm. haven't done yet. It's on our, yeah, it's yeah. on our mess. It's like it, that's in our guys. We'll do it, yeah. but that's like it's up there. So yes. we're saving it for <clears throat> a rainy day, as you mm-hmm. may say. Um, but but yeah, like uh, this was this is another example of uh, the 1950s doing um, the 1920s. Yes. And what is interesting is this is the late 1950s doing mm-hmm. the 1920s versus the early 19 almost almost 19 late 1940s of like singing in the rain and i feel like you can really even though i know one's black and white one's color but you can even see the anachronistic differences Mm -hmm. in the um in how they were doing the 20s um versus like like 1950 versus almost 1960 but i love it i mean i love this movie so much it's it's in our favorites um it is uh it's again it's got it's got tony curtis we're also big tony curtis fans you know again he was in the cellular closet everybody take a drink Mm -hmm. we're gonna mention that again this movie is cited (laughs) in that um it is cited in that documentary, um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a family favorite, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, and I I yeah, so I love it. It's it's I hadn't it's been a long time a long time since I've seen it, and um, this is a great movie that I think because it's so silly, you can watch it as a little kid and kind of almost not really know what's going on and still find it very entertaining. Yeah. and then you can watch it as a grown up and really see all the double entendre and sort of the you know the uh, like the awkward scenes and everything and (laughs) and see it on a whole other level so um so yeah it's it really it's been you know it's known as one of the greatest comedy films of all time and uh indeed so (laughs) what about you what's your experience (laughs) um well uh as as um which you know true to form i've fucked up and forgot to um, credit the costume and wardrobe department so of course the costumes for this movie are designed by mr ori kelly Kelly, yep Mm -hmm. um for the for the gowns and then also um i want to give a shout out to bert henriksen was also credited in the opening credits as wardrobe too so um so they're starting to give um, wardrobe credits which is nice uh he also ori kelly also won an oscar for the costumes in this film too as he should yes of course and i think it was probably Probably because of the fact that this was the first mainstream big kind of drag movie, which right. is interesting because he ended up they I had read somewhere that they had bought they had just kind of like bought off the rack stuff for Jack Lemon and Tony Curtis and it was just like what is going on it didn't look right so yeah. Ori Kelly was just like let's just come on let, I'll do it don't worry about it um, oh yeah so they made everything custom for those two in all of the women's clothes as well so I thought that that was an interesting thing too but my history to get back to the uh, <laughs> 
uh, train of thought that we were currently on. Um, I um, this was in a this was in a collection of like VHS, like Maryland VHS. Like I think it was like a time yes. thing or something. Yeah, that's right. And that's so probably what we th- had. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> this one came with you know. So I had How to Marry a Millionaire, Gentleman for Blondes, and yep. like you know, I think River of No Return and Bus and Stop. And probably like Let's Make Love. Maybe I think was in that one. Um, I don't know. I, I, possibly, but the ones that yeah. I remember we had um, was River of No Return. I remember River of No yeah. Return and Bus Stop. Yeah. Which those yeah. two I just personally didn't connect with as much personally mm-hmm. because it wasn't as yeah. musical and fun, um, a little bit more serious. Right. Um, but this one I always found to be funny. And but of course, you know, when you have Gentlemen for Blondes and um, How to Marry a Millionaire, this one kind of fell to three, you know, position number three. But on yes, rewatch, but they are of like it, a happy trio of comedy. Oh, of course, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but on rewatch and rewatching it, kind of with the lens of like Pride Month and like you know the drag element of it and the LGBT of it all which is funny because I did because I did end up buying um, Cellular Closet the book which was cool nice. and I haven't oh, had a good. chance to really read it but I'm going to start referencing it for movies in case there's some like especially for this series um, mm-hmm. but this one wasn't like covered much in the book but it was talked it about in the um, in the documentary so it just there's references to it and I think that there's a little bit um, from the references that I read about some like it hot in the book it almost was a little bit like he was kind of not into this movie like uh, Vito um, Russo wasn't he kind of like would kind of make snide, snide comments of like um, the, you know, the effeminate character and those sort of things but Anyway, um, I just thought it was an interesting watch if you think about it from the from the lens of like, you know, from the from the LGBTQ lens of it all, you know, because it's interesting to think Mm -hmm. about. Um, I was thinking I actually think I was texting you, but I was just like, you know, there's scenes in it like, okay, you have to suspend your disbelief that Jack Lemmon and you know Tony Curtis are they're posing as women so right. and it's, I just thought Jack Lemmon's character was so funny because when you his character arc was so interesting throughout oh, I, the entire 100%, movie 100% it was so funny because like, like think about it like think about when he's on like when they're first in drag first of all he's the first he's on board with the idea he's like we could do drag like when they first get per, the, the job is posed to him he's like let's get wigs let's do this we can like yeah. he's like on board and Tony Curtis is like no slow your roll queen and yep. um, then they they're on um, you know they're on they're getting on the train and Jack Lemon's like I don't know how do this, the women do this he's just like doesn't make any sense and like the physics you know the mechanics of being a woman doesn't make sense yeah. like, he heals and all of that and then he um, and then he immediately just starts he gets on the train and he just sees a bevy of women and he just oh, and turns like, into super into it yeah. he turns <laughs> into like, uh, he, yes he does he turns into like a super he t- like he a turns into a lesbian exactly and like, that's what that's exactly where I was going with this is like so abstensive if you think about it if everyone on that train believes that Josephine and Daphne which I just that I scene know, where he's like I I'm Daphne and Tony Curtis gives him that look it's so funny <laughs> Because he's just like he, he pulls oh God. his drag Tony name Curtis out. In like, this movie, I I can't. Well, they're both so funny, but he is just Jeff, everything in this movie. Everything. I it's, mean, even also being very good looking. Like in the beginning when they're playing the instruments and they're mm-hmm. like in that in that beginning scene in the speakeasy, you're like, hey, queen. Yeah, <laughs> both of them are you really are good handsome. looking. Like, oh very. I know you're like, hey, boys. Yes. What is up? <laughs> oh my god! But but I thought that was interesting that like he 
flo- totally just li- literally b- forgot yes. about him. He forgot about <laughs> worrying about being a woman and literally just like, and now I'm a lesbian. Like yes, he just became exactly. like a full scale, like aggressive lesbian. And it was like, could you like think of, I was just kind of like, it was a little bit of a, it was a little bit of like a, um, a mind fuck for me watching it. Cause I was like, wait, so if you think about this, if it was real life and all these women actually believe that these two guys are actually women or just bush looking chicks, like they were on a train and befriending a, what is obviously a lesbian. Like she, like, cause Daphne would have been like hitting on them, making sexual innuendos and all this stuff and flirting and all like, she was overtly flirting with these women all the time. And especially sugar at the beginning, which was so interesting to like watch that kind of like, you know, to really kind of think about that and like actually watch it. And it was, um, I watched it a couple of times and I was just almost fascinated in a it way. Is I was like, like it I is. was kind of like sparked some strange joy in me to watch this movie this time and be like, wow, there's there. He's kind his character is so dynamic, that character. And he brought I something totally to it. Agree. Such, I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, of course, Tony Curtis, like his character had no character arc. Like he changed nothing out at all. He continued. He like he started out as an asshole poonhound who like would use women. And then like at the he was, you know, he was like lying and cheating and trying to get as much out of women as possible. And by the end, he was still doing the same thing. So he never changed as a character like normally when you do. No, you're thinking about story writing. But Jack Lemmon's character, he's just like he went through three story arcs where he's like he He did understand understand yeah. it became like okay with it and being a lesbian and then he became he's like well now i'm just gonna get married to this rich guy <laughs> and who yep. was like totally fine with he's like well i could just live like a lady for you can live with a lady up until i get married and then like you know he was on board with the whole thing and you're just like this is kind of like strangely <laughs> interesting like, <laughs> if you just kind of step back and look at it and you're just like wow he's like really open-minded <laughs> It's really funny. That, like, why would it, like, that, I kid you not, like, I laughed like a maniac every time. And I've saw, I watched it like three times in preparation for the movie. But (laughs) every time Tony Curtis asks Jack Lemmon, he's like, why would a man marry another man? And he looks him dead in the face and he says, for security. And I'm like, (laughs) I just died. With complete conviction. Like, he's like, 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 come on. Like, Like, why else would you? (laughs) I was like, oh my God. It was like, you know what? Not gonna lie, not a bad answer. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm just rambling now. No, no, really I totally, in, but... I felt the same way because when it was all going through, um, I felt like there was another moment where, um, uh, if you if you see the moment where um, when Tony Curtis dressed as as Daphne mm-hmm. is um, it, when he goes to and he kisses Marilyn Monroe in the end. And he's, oh right, she, yeah, that too. Thinks, yeah, you're right. And and she like they really kiss, and she mm-hmm. she has that whole thing where she's like, but she she she's like really confused, and it's that whole thing of like, whoa, you just kissed me, like I like whoa, you know. Yeah. But but she like she it took her a minute too because she's like, I am into this. Wait, what's going on? Hold on. Right, yeah, and that, like I, for, yeah, even her having that, that moment too, which was um, you know, she. She, you could tell, like, I know that there's obviously a story behind her performance and stuff in this movie, but man, she's got those moments. Like, she, you, you can almost, again, as an older person, I can almost pinpoint the phoned-in moments or the ones that have been overly coached mm-hmm. versus the ones that are a bit more spontaneous and she kind of rolled, like, kind of went with it and did her own thing. And that was one of them. And that's where it's like, 
even Billy Wilder was like, you know, God, you know, she'd be difficult. But when she was on, she was on. It was so worth it. And I'm like, kind of like Judy Garland. You're like, I get it. I see it. Yeah. Because she definitely has moments where you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're just, God, I love you. You're so mm. amazing. I know, yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> so, I was reading through some of the some of the um, factoids on this film and just the, yeah. the fact that it would be 40, 50 takes on stuff in order to get her part right, which was. Well, she a, had a she, she a had bummer. that crazy fucking acting coach at the time. Oh, she right. had, okay, yeah, so she yeah, had a few she, things going on. First of all, she mm-hmm. was pregnant. And mm-hmm. she was super, super stressed about losing the kid. Fun fact, not so fun. She did lose it. So she right. so she, she had that. And then she was also on a lot of, they had put her on a lot of prescription drugs by that point. And again, we're talking the 1950s here where people didn't really make that big connection between drugs, pregnant women, stress, right. pregnant women, just being pregnant. Like there, she was still under, she was under a lot of pressure, even for a non-pregnant person. But right. then she also was in this essentially like a coercive control relationship with her um her acting coach who wouldn't let her fart without her looking at her and it was ridiculous and they talk about that on the set and how that had to sort of be level set at some point and i think that's when when that was sort of um negotiated a bit more that's when you got the better takes out of her but um but yeah and then she she did miscarry during making this movie and that is when uh so it sounds like like when they filmed at the coronado down in san diego um that was you know supposed to be florida which is totally Mm -hmm. fine the hotel is beautiful yes Uh, it's iconic we hope to stay there one day we'll get but you know (laughs) but yeah and so it sounds like that whole experience was way more positive for everybody involved versus when they got back to the sound stage and things got stressful and you had those multiple takes of these on these like major big scenes where you basically lose the whole freaking day and it sounds like they had to add i think at least like 20 days to the their total shooting schedule and you know to me i was like I was doing this research kind of before, you know, after we saw the movie, um, I was watching a documentary that that was about this movie that was made by the BBC called Nobody's Perfect. It's about mm. 20 years old, and it had uh, t- Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon on it, and they were talking a lot about that and how, you know, um, just just sort of the difficult things they had to work through. But um, but I can also think that too, just like God, the amount of stress. I would feel like such a douche if that was something like. Like, just that added stress of, like, come on, we're all waiting for you. Now you're ruining everything. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, I don't need that, you know? (laughs) But people, when they're like, she was such a sad girl. I'm like, well, you kind of made her feel like crap all the time. You know, it doesn't, like help your confidence you know yeah i so, mean it's it's, anyway. a t- it's a tough spot to be in for sure it's and such a tough she, spot she was she was a tragic tragic character like she so did, tragic you know, like and we complicated talk about, yeah you know she had her own stuff going on and then dealing with all of that stuff and the pressures of being the world's sexiest person and like i mean it wasn't yeah. like she wasn't like people magazine's sexiest person looking at you blake shelton she was like no, legit, she was the like, world she was legitimate icon. like there was nothing she could not do that wasn't sexualized in a way and yep. and having that pressure and that expectation it's it's gonna mess you up at a yep. certain and remember point. she was married like, to a nerd she married a nerd who was then mm-hmm. accused of being a communist and then she had to defend him like that's a lot of goddamn right. stress and you then, know I mean, and all, all the other oof. stuff like the joe dimaggio wasn't a yeah, good relationship yeah. and then she married what's his who did she the nerd was the writer right i forget his name um, he was an important, really important writer. And I can't remember his name. Anyway, but yeah, so she just, she was constantly looking for something and she, you know, she, her childhood was fucked up. So it, it's a whole thing. And then being on prescription medication, I mean, she would be dead within three years of making this movie. So it's, you know, yeah. it's a bummer. Um, 
but yeah. Um, but you just made me forget his name too, and I know it now. I'm like really mad the, at myself. He's a writer. I he's was a very just prolific writer. Reading about why I have to look this up right now, or I'm gonna hurt. <laughs> I'm gonna just. I'm gonna punch myself in the head. <laughs> this is hold music while Kathleen looks up the name of Marilyn's husband at the time. <laughs> I can't remember his name for the life of me. And when you say it, I'm going to be like, oh, right. <laughs> Arthur Miller, for there fuck's you go. sake. Jesus yes. So, anyway, she was married to Arthur Miller. And he, like I said, he was a nerd yeah. and a playwright. But again, but I say that because and there was this whole, like, Beauty the Beast. Yeah. Well, he fucked her over. I mean, yeah, it, I think this, this was. This was sort of like the high level of like, eh, she was a huge moneymaker and everybody mm-hmm. was making money off of Marilyn, including yeah. him. And uh, I think that he didn't really do her uh, so good at, at this. Uh, and, and so she, there was just a lot of pressure. She had a lot of pressure from all sides. And it's like the last thing they want a sex symbol to do, as we've read and say, like, you know, like the Esther Williams uh, biographies and stuff. The last thing they want you to do is have a baby when you're sexy. Yeah. Okay. So you married a nerd. Now you want a baby. That nerd might be a communist. We don't. You're you're really <laughs> fucking things up here, Marilyn. You're really making it hard. So yeah. like, Man. yeah, it's just uh, it sucked, you know. But we love her, and I think that that complexity of who she is, I think, um, I think people who are <laughs> people who've been through shit can kind of like get the vi- like can can see other people who've been through shit. And yeah. I think as beautiful as she is, I think that that's something that kind of speaks to a lot of people is that she's complicated, you know. Yeah. You just want anyway. to be, you just want to like, you know, you just want to, you just want to keep her safe. You just want to keep her safe. You want to be her friend. But, yeah. You, yeah, exactly. You want to like, you know, and that's, that's another thing. It's like, I know we're going to, I knew there was going to be Marilyn moments and that's fine because this yeah. is also her birthday month and mm-hmm. this movie is free on prime until the 30th. So there's oh, a lot really? and there's a lot of, yeah, oh. on it's free on huh. Amazon prime and there's also um, a well, lot of Marilyn documentaries and stuff. Um, yeah, but I, well, I didn't either until I was looking at it and I, I didn't even know it was on there. And then I was like, I don't know. I, I there's a lot on there. So if you yeah. want to do like a Marilyn, uh, binge, this is a good time, but yeah, she's, she's a complicated person who went through a lot of shit and a lot of people used her to make a lot of money and mm-hmm. you know, she, they didn't really. And I think that the older I got, like when I, uh, one of my favorite movies is that she did was the misfits, but it also makes me kind of mad because I think it's really good. And you just, you realize that like we lost her too soon. I think she had so much potential. Um, anyway, yeah, she had a lot of potential, but then, uh, but she wasn't, she wasn't treated so good. No, but, um, yeah, she's, uh, but this movie is gorgeous. I mean, it was like it you were saying, gorgeous. it was filmed at the um, the Coronado Hotel, which um, if you have the opportunity to get down to, it's, in, it's right outside of San Diego and La Jolla, and it is beautiful. I had the chance yeah. last time I visited San Diego a couple few years ago and made a side trip to go see it and walk the grounds and look go to the beach and stuff. It is stunning. Like, it is a beautiful, beautiful hotel. Like, you can walk around and, like, they have, like, some of the, um, you know, some of the ballrooms are open. Some of them are closed because they're, you know, for, you know, private events and stuff like that. But if you have the opportunity, I would say go. I mean, it is really stunning. Like just, and yeah. it's like a little time capsule. I mean, I, I'm. It's so cool that they yeah. keep it up and yeah. like keep it all nice. And I mean, it's also supposed to be soups haunted. I remember all like uh, some of the earliest like A&E documentaries on ghosts from the early 90s. They would be like at the Coronado. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my favorite episodes of mystery. I know. Of, I think there's Mysteries. like an unsolved mysteries. Yes. Uh, every, I think there's like, one 
every time I watch Unsolved Mysteries, if they were talking about like like a true crime doc or something like a murder, I, know, I was just like, like no, I kind of like checked know. out. But once they yeah. mentioned aliens or aliens um, ghosts, ghosts like, I was just this like, is yeah. happening. I was like, tell me more, Robert Stack. <laughs> Robert Stack, <laughs> I know. I'm just like Winchester Mystery Mansion. Don't mind if I do. I'm <laughs> in. <laughs> I know, right? Hearst Castle. Do tell. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my favorite ones, but then my now, favorites. You know, they I'm... didn't age as well as the true crime ones, ironically. But oh. <laughs> but oh well. There was they have one the internet that, now. <laughs> there was one that I found very interesting, which was the, apparently there was a guy who jumped on a plane, like he jumped onto like a Cessna, the wing of a Cessna, while it was taking off, and then fell. It fell to his death. But then they never could figure out who this person was. Is that the D.D. Cooper guy? No, it was a small, oh. like, Cessna plane. Not, like, right, a... That's, not like that's fucking weird. It was very... It was, like, I just remember that one stuck in my head, too. And I was just like, what is this story about? I just found it very strange. <laughs> I don't know. And compelling. But if it wasn't... Go- those are That's the only one I remember outside the ghosts and the, and the aliens. Ugh. And there's always, like... So on the subject of ghosts, since we're doing a Marilyn movie, there's always... If there's... Uh, there's always like ad nauseum stories like anytime if if marilyn may have took a crap somewhere they're like and her ghost is here today yes, marilyn's ghost is i think marilyn's ghost is supposedly at the roosevelt hotel on hollywood that's Boulevard. right that, and <laughs> i'm sure that it's here at the sure coronado too and i'm sure it haunts like you know a random arby's in like you know montana or something because she drove by it once you yeah. know it's like it's of so course true. it's marilyn's ghost you can tell by the pope pictures that people take of the ghosts <laughs> it's like that and then i remember like some of the old like way back in the day and you, there are a lot of them are on youtube like some of the earliest old hollywood documentaries were these like super salacious ones on marilyn monroe and her death and yeah and it was they were interviewing every freaking joe schmo had put his dick in Marilyn and you're like dude this is where I'm just saying like there's so many myths around her I'm like yeah. the bitch didn't have that kind of time yeah. like <laughs> and I think there's a, that's also I think a big a, like overblown myth about her that she was this very I think she was far less promiscuous and social that people give her credit for mm-hmm. um, because you have to like have a pretty tight schedule when you're filming and doing a lot of that I think that's a lot of that to keep up and as we know because right. of like confidential magazine like if a lot of that is image, if they want a sex symbol image, then they're going to want somebody who's a party girl. Exactly. Exactly. And also too, is like, I, you forget that like, you know, they were going on press tours too, for these movies too. So constantly going and like national press tours. Yeah. It's crazy. Who's got that kind of time. And that's the other thing too, with someone like her, it's like, um, men, it may be different, but like, you know, you have handlers and people and people are watching you all the time and getting you up and putting you to bed. And like, there's a lot going on. Like seriously, I mean, when you're literally someone like her, you're, you're on that Judy Garland or Elvis Presley level of like medications and stuff like that, you know? And it's just, and that level of like always somebody watching you. But, but I think that, yeah, that's, there's always that big misnomer that, you know, or, or like that, there's the Hollywood image that they want you to see or, you know, versus like the, you know, what they really are. And it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, it, they're not going to make money off of a boring Marilyn. She's got to be, <laughs> she's got to be like, huh? She's got to uh, be exciting. And by exciting, it's on our terms. <laughs> so you're like, Marilyn, the sexiest woman in the world. She loves nothing more than baking and going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> right after reading a good book. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're like things, are, things are getting hot at the Marilyn house. She's picking up another novel. <laughs> I know. 
so steamy <laughs> riveting <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness i have to give a huge like shout out to um joe e brown he is my one of my favorite characters in this movie i absolutely love him he plays osgood the um the millionaire that wants to marry Jack oh my Conlon. god he steals the show <laughs> he is so... from the moment he sees her he's like that's a strong sturdy woman <laughs> yeah he's like he can she can carry me up the stairs she can carry, she can carry all that luggage <laughs> i know he's i I just love how he's like so good and my favorite scene and I don't even think it's his it's not his line but like when he's calling um when he's calling he's speaking to Josephine on the phone about coming yep. to about her um Daphne coming to the the yacht and she's like um and she, uh, da- uh, Josephine's about to cl- um to hang up the phone and he, she's like what's that Zowie like I <laughs> I just love that. I love that where she's like, I'll give him the message of Zowie. <laughs> That's like my favorite line. I think I'm yeah. going to start using Zowie for everything. Oh, this movie, it's got some really great, uh, really cute lines. I don't want to say they're throwaway lines, but everybody's it's, given something special. It's you know? so good. Like just the night, the like, the, I, I just love it. All the, yeah. little, like, the little asides and things are so good. And he is just... He is so funny. Like he, that character is just so funny. And then that whole the dancing scene when they're the doing dancing, the dancing. Oh my god, <laughs> so funny. So good. Oh man, God, he was. So, and it, and he's a big old mama's boy too, which is makes sense. I know. That he wants like a big strong lady as his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so many questions <laughs> like what is happening with this film oh my god and the costumes we have to talk about the costumes I mean, oh the so costumes are fantastic gorgeous. and again this is when we were like you know I love the, the sort of history-ish of it all and um, and again I think this is also probably a, a pretty decent example of um, where like the primary characters looking less period than the extras because mm-hmm. there were definitely, I feel like people in, and um, even some of the, like, like I think some of the hats and some of the pieces that they put on Daphne and Josephine that looked far more period accurate than anything they put on Marilyn, who oh, was right. just, yeah. you know, Marilyn. Exactly. But, um, I mean, they did have a couple of moments where they gave her almost like cloche esque looking hats and kind of pushed think, her hair closer and gave her pin curls. And that was yeah, about I it. Yeah, I think the most, <laughs> the most period she looks was probably her when she's on the, um, platform of the train because she has the yes. cloche and she kind of but like the waist definition in that gown and that everything and that coat has and waist like, definition. it's just like whoa yeah. i mean they're just like um i'm sure i don't know even know if ori kelly uh, they probably got the memo where they're like yeah it's the 20s but she needs to look sexy and if you show up yeah. looking not sexy we're gonna cancel that number like it's gonna you're not gonna be able to she's not gonna wear that so like he, and, and let's face it like we all know that is super it's super rough to how to, you can't to put a straight silhouette on a body that has there's not a straight line on her so mm-hmm. like how do you do that but we have seen i mean we as we've seen from some pictures and stuff of people from the 20s people who did have curvy bodies in the 20s did do a bit more shaping and tailoring right. in order to create the illusion of straight lines on their body and they did do a bit of that on her but yeah it's definitely i mean these are these could almost be dresses that doris day could wear you know oh, what yeah. i mean they were like 19, and they um, were, in fact yeah. whatever hairstyles could have practically been doris days from pillow talk which Pretty was big. done around this like literally almost the same year they came mm-hmm. out like the same year so just to you know that that you can really see that in like uh 
uh, her styling, um, her just her general styling and aesthetic. Um, but at the same time, I do feel like you can also see a flair of Ori Kelly and the 20s and 30s-ness that he does try to incorporate in what she wears. Like, um, when you first see her in that black satin dress and it's got the long, tight sleeves mm-hmm. and the wide open, that it does have a reminiscence That's- of that, of like a early, like late 20s, early 30s, which Ori Kelly lived at that time. Like, so he's from that yeah. time. He's already, I mean, this would have he's been, lived through that. Right, they so said he, this was 20, he is bringing that. They said this is 29, right? So this is supposed have been, to be, yeah, because it's St. So, Valentine's Day Massacre. Right, so this was late yeah. 20s. Okay. And I, and, uh, and Ori Kelly was, uh, he was a heavy hitter back in the early 30s mm-hmm. doing like Betty yeah. Davis gowns and the bias and, the, and those like really transitional dresses from 20s to 30s. And so this is already like old hat for him. This is yeah. just him going back in, you know, and that really wasn't that long ago what 25 30 years ago so to go back to to doing this would have been the equivalent of like doing the 80s right right (laughs) i mean that's it's almost like we're cosplaying you know like doing like stranger things that's what yeah that's true that's the equivalent of something like that um and since he had already lived through it and had costumed women like that who had you know betty davis had quite the curvy body and Mm -hmm, so i think that that was something he was able to do and like i said i'm not sure 100 percent I can't find that she didn't do it. I can't find that she did, but I'm pretty sure there's a very solid chance that Elizabeth Courtney could have been the cutter or primary dressmaker yeah. behind some of these fits and stuff and working with him because he she did do a lot of uh, dressmaking and work with like she did that she, with Jean Louis right. and um, was doing a lot of stuff with. Um, similar designers at that same time mm-hmm. in those same circles right. so and she wasn't from what we can tell she was not under contract with any studio so if she was possibly being um and, and because she's just another sort of invisible woman in hollywood there's a good chance but i recognize just that quality of fit everything right fits yeah her. oh my god it, they fit her it fits her like the inaugural dress for the, mm-hmm. the mr mr president dress. Right, like the, everything fits birthday. her the and, the structure inside you know. of like if, if you look at like because okay so since we're talking about this so marilyn yes. wears two gowns that are essentially like quote nude gowns where she the first yes. one where she sings i want to be loved by you i mean her like I'm gonna get graphic. Her tits are on a shelf in a way a that they are sculpted in a way. Like she's not wearing a bra in this, but they are supported in a way that they are up and out. So there's some sort of thing. She looks going like on a statue. In, in, she's got yes. like like Greek goddess statue. But boobs. she's also very. <laughs> she, I mean, she's very voluptuous in this movie. She's bigger than Gorgeous. she normally is because she's you know she's uh you know pregnant pregnancy mm-hmm. like early pregnancy weight. So it's mm-hmm. like I mean she's just she's just flesh. I mean it's just. And her oh, skin flash. is glowing. She's got yeah. like soft, like really soft, beautiful arms. Mm-hmm. But like that's the thing is you see her even in the scene where she's got the um where she's running on her bathing suit. They ain't a oh, stitch yeah. of cellulite on those legs. No. She's just she is gorgeous. She, she looks gorgeous. But that's what flawless. I so the <laughs> but if you look at the the gown, so it's like full like it's fully like net coverage on the front of course it's like completely mm-hmm. beaded to hide all of the bits but it is nude right. it's like sheer nude illusion which is um, a signature of the Elizabeth Courtney because Elizabeth Courtney like you were saying did the mm-hmm. happy birthday Mr. President dress she did all of the um, she did all of the um, Marlena Dietrich nude Marlene gowns Dietrich, as well right. for John Louis and so it would be it would make sense that she might uh, I, I mean it's probably wouldn't be too hard to figure out if she did or not we just have to make sure like double 
double check the sources on it. But I it, spent thirty I mean, whole minutes trying to find this shit on the internet, and I could not. So. I, I'm sure it's it's. I bet you if we just I we know people, we can ask them. I know. It's just I, a matter actually, of tracking them down and being like, hey, did you know? Um, I did find a Criterion Collection um, little video with. Uh, Oh gosh, John Landis's wife and uh, oh, Larry Deborah McQueen Landis. talk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Deborah Landis and um, and him talking about the some like it hot, um, talking about her and her character and stuff. Oh, it was like right. a two minute, two minute Jim Jam. <laughs> I was like, hey Larry, he uh-huh. looks, he seems so sweet. He seems kind of nervous. Like, oh, I would have been like you. Like he seemed kind of like not like he wasn't a fan of talking on camera, you know. Uh-huh. Like, but he seemed he just seemed so nice, you know. Yeah, he seemed like the like best. when we interviewed him, like I was like, oh. You're just, you're so nice. It's <laughs> just so like nice. a real, real genuine dude, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. So, but, um, but then that, so, but a lot of it, if you look at it, like on the back of that first gown too, it's like yeah. really super low oh, cut too. It's amazing. So it's like, they had to do some serious like engineering to make sure that it's a like cut almost like below the small of her back. Like it's, it's past her waistline. Almost her butt, butt crack. crack. <laughs> like literally. And it looks like it's peeling open like a banana. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. and it, I'm assuming probably the structure is on the side and the side back where the where it's like mm-hmm. they probably built the structure into the v where even though it looks like it's peeling away that's probably it's probably keeping it on her in some way well, the other you, thing i really I, I was gonna say the one thing i noticed a lot about her dress is is there's a lot of really strong tailoring in the back like mm-hmm. things are maybe more uh like like the dresses and again this is maybe them trying to do the 20s but i noticed that a lot of things are sort of draping or cut on the bias in the front like across her chest and really just letting you know natural boobs do their beautiful natural thing of course, but yeah. then the back is like sculpted around her backside oh, yeah, so yeah. it's just beautiful and i think that like when you um when you actually do approach and like tailor and fit something you actually fit it from back to front and so i i just i you can really see how that's been done which again highlights her figure perfectly everything is fitted like if you make clothes like watching this movie is just a visual delight because you see how everything fits her beautifully like there are no flaws only features and they fit around each and every one of them (laughs) flawlessly (laughs) yes i mean if um what i was gonna say is that dress specifically there's a close-up shot like a two like a two shot of him and her Uh when she's on top of him like and they're making out you can actually see on the strap on the back there is something running inside of that so yeah in the the back of the strap and i'm thinking that that's some sort of like reinforcement over the shoulder to keep it from opening up too much it's an interesting I don't know what it is it might be grow grain or something to keep basically it's like keeping some it's like an interior structure it's like the Statue of Liberty yes. it's like there's so much going on inside that does more work than the exterior stuff so it's interesting to it, like take a look at that like when you watch that scene like okay. to the listener when you watch that scene it's interesting and I noticed too like between this one and the one that she wears at the end when she's she, when there's that final kiss between her and Josephine um, I, those two dresses they actually actually patterned the the bust on because her breasts are so big and they're set they wanted of course you're not going to be there's no bra there's actually a center front seam running up it like to yes. sculpt it into literally sculpt the the fabric around her breasts in a way like yep. there's more seams Genius. on the, the breast part of it there's like you know to make it because it's not going to be a flat piece of fabric to give you a unibrow right. they actually wanted to cut it in so that they could give you literally give you every inch of her flesh and like mold it around her flesh it is 
almost it's, it's so like it's such a sensual those two gowns are so sensual it's like yep. whoa it's like easy now like it's getting to the point it's and then the back of that black one that she wears is all sheer and then it actually curves almost it literally there's a back shot i put on in pinterest as well that's like it's open like with a curve down and it curves literally to the top of her butt crack and then there's a bow or flower right where her butt crack would start like it is so like let's face it that butt crack was there and they were like it was totally there it was so like something it would be something it's like something remember like alexander mcqueen did those trousers that like went below the butt crack the bumpster the bumpster they're exactly like that she and she just was like living for it she loved having her body out like that in a way i was just like you go girl like that the first the white dress that she wears has a little cutout a heart cutout on her butt and then you don't see it in the movie, but in the press photos, you see it. And it's like outlined in red. And she's just like, there's photos of her like showing it off. And it's really interesting to be like, like Ori Kelly was like kind of a kind of a dirty old queen. I loved it. Oh, he knew, well, I mean, yeah, he 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 knew what he liked. You know, I mean, like, that's the thing, too, is like, I don't know if you guys remember, like Ori Kelly had um, about a few years ago. He um, there was this like kind of fast and loose documentary made based on mm-hmm. some of his memoirs and you know that he he did dress different people he was also a long-term friend of Gary <laughs> Grant <laughs> um, sure. yeah there's actually it's an interesting oh, documentary oh, yeah. to watch because it was it was based like you're saying based on his unpublished memoir so yes. I mean it's one man's it's one man's one man's position or his one man's story so it's of course there's not a lot of corroboration and does talk a lot about his relationship with um carrie grant which was right when they got to hollywood because they spent a lot of time together in new york which was interesting to listen to and there's a lot of talk about that in the book um in the book creating the illusion um about that too because then they had a they had a big falling out and like carrie like basically was just like would not talk to would basically disavow him uh, which is kind of fucked up and wow. um, they mentioned that they mentioned that in um did 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 um Scotty Bowers mention that in our interview I feel like he some either that or he did in the documentary he might because, have in the documentary because I, and I know like, that yeah because Ori Kelly was like an openly gay man like it was That's not right. a secret that he was gay and yeah. um and so Carrie like had to had to um you know, separate or distance himself from it as not to catch the gay, as it were, you know, didn't want to catch the gay um, whiffs and stuff. So, um, and Ori Kelly knew how to party. Like he was, Uh a he was definitely like a party dude. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, stranger to booze. (laughs) No, no, he wasn't. And, but yeah, he was like later in his career. I think he had, he actually passed away in like the mid sixties due to his um he lived hard mm, but but you know that's that whole thing you know i i hate like when people make stereotypes of like oh you know like oh i used to hear this for years ago but now we all know it's probably because of jeffrey epstein but like you know every you know all this stuff for skinny girls it's it, all the things that cater to skinny girls that's because all these gay guys they hate women they hate women they just want to see little boys and dresses and i'm like so um it couldn't be farther <laughs> from the truth they like i'm like you know, you look at something like this where you're just like, no, I think they pretty much love women and they're like, mm-hmm. put those 
put that out, put that out there. Yes. Look at that. Look at that. You know, yeah. so I feel like if anything, they're the ones, you know, or that they, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that, the designers, I think that's right. the designers, if anything, like they're, uh, there's a great love of women. I mean, look at Alexander McQueen. There's there's been a oh, lot yeah. of that, and I'm like, no, I, are you kidding? He loved his mom. He was close. To, he had great women in his life. Like he he was inspired you, by them. And yeah, you know, you don't and, dress Marilyn. You don't sculpt please. the dress around Marilyn's breast so detailed. Yeah, in a movie that's a man who don't love boobs. women. He's like <laughs> yeah. that's he's like you, you that got is, great. Yeah. And the fact if there's like a legendary yeah. story about um about him <laughs> about Ori Kelly fitting uh, Marilyn, and he's like. Like, oh, I think Jack Lemon's got a bigger ass than you. And she opens up her blouse and says, but she, he don't got tit, better tits than me. And it's like, so he's just like, well, you got great tits. Let's make, let's, yes. let's make them look amazing. Like, so amazing that we're did. only going to be able to put a spotlight on your face yes. when you perform. Because, <laughs> because it's too salacious otherwise. Even like, it in didn't, the dark, we see those tits. Yes, they did. There's, there was, um, this was banned in several, in a couple of states because of how, wow. well, because of the drag, but then there's also because of the, um, because of Maryland too being too sexy which is interesting so crazy but I mean if you guys can't handle some drag I don't know what to tell you it's it's 1959 you're on the dawn of a new decade I mean it's it's not like drag was new then yeah It's not like it was even new when they did also, silent movies. Yeah, and also it's not like they were doing drag to like because they really just love doing drag. They were running for them their lives. Yeah, they were they were it was it was drag for your life. Drag for your life. <laughs> they were lip singing for their life. They literally, literally. <laughs> You know, and I think this is another movie that um, when I remember watching this, kind of like Victor Victoria, this again was in there, like Victor Victoria, this mm-hmm. movie, um, Thoroughly Modern Millie, but just also really normalizing, like making certain things seem very normal. Like, like I feel like almost running through this, maybe even unintentionally, was the whole like gender is a construct. That's right, definitely yeah. a takeaway from this movie after watching it now. But but yeah, just, just also th- this like... Well, yeah, of course, you know, gender bending, whatever. People dress yeah. up. They dress. Sometimes men have to dress as women. Some, sometimes <laughs> like, you got to dress just, as a woman. Sometimes and you gotta sometimes dress as they a fall in love with women dressed as men, and it just happens. But you know what? Love is love, <laughs> so yeah. it just—it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> oh God. The costumes for Josephine and um, and Daphne were pretty funny too. They were, oh my gosh, I mean, we really need to talk about like yeah. how beautiful they are. Like they really, when they first arrive at the Coronado, I don't have my notes. I I made notes and left them in the other room. Uh, but I even <laughs> made, I made notes about how much I really loved Josephine's. Um, like Jack Lemon's dress, his dress mm. and his white straw cloche hat. Those oh, actually look very period accurate. Oh, and yeah, the way their, they were on him, and he's got the beads. Period, like, yeah. They, they really like, they, and he looked, and it, like it was, they were really nice, like beautiful. He had its beautifully beaded chiffon gown on that was like mm-hmm. done in like total 1920s patterns and everything. And I mean, they looked like nice looking. They look well-dressed. They look like well-dressed ladies. (laughs) They look like well-dressed ladies with strong features. (laughs) Let's face it. That's probably what I'd look like if I tried to dress 1920s. (laughs) Who amongst us? That's what I I mean. Everybody's so fucking tiny back then. There's just no way. Like, I'm bigger than most men in the 20s. imagine what I look like in drag? It's Tony Curtis in in Some Like It Hot. It's it's a rough look. Let's just call it that. He was, so, but you know what? I love listening to him talk about this movie later. Like he was really genuinely proud of all the work. Him and Jack Lemmon both, you know, like yeah. really. Um, and that 
um, in that documentary, Nobody's Perfect, they really, um, you can tell they're genuinely proud that they were part of this movie. And, and it was really great to hear them talk about certain scenes that um, Billy Wilder, because he did a lot of making up of stuff on the fly. Oh, and yeah. um, things that were like, at the time, you know, we're like, oh my God, you're crazy. I can't believe you had me do this. And now it's like, genius. That was freaking genius, you know? Yeah. So that's, you know, uh, like uh, Jack Lemon uh, described the whole, the scene with the maracas. Oh my God! And how yes. that was that was completely out of left field. He'd already rehearsed his scene with his with his acting coach. He had everything timed and every and ready. And uh, and then all of a sudden he comes in and Billy Wilder's is like he's like flinging these maracas around and playing. He's like, hey, I'm gonna <laughs> want you to use these. Just just kind of peppermint with every word. He's like, well, I didn't. I didn't plan for that. And he's like, man, just do it. Just do what happens. And he was pissed because it's like, now he's got to kind of like figure out how he's going to redo the scene, you know. But then he did, and now it's hilarious. I mean, I can't imagine. That scene's hilarious because it yeah. just adds to his, like, elation about being, you know, with this guy. And it just, his whole, like, journey. It's part of his journey. <laughs> I know. It's like you're really into it. <laughs> And then um, I also wanted to address, like, the um, there's a story. I remember hearing this a long time ago, and the um, the little documentary really kind of um, actually broke down the story of how um, there's a story that uh, Tony Curtis said that kissing Marilyn Monroe was like kissing Hitler. So I don't know if you've ever heard, I don't <laughs> no. ever heard that rumor. Okay. Oh, my God. All right. So what happened was is that the scene where she – one of the scenes where they have to kiss, I think one of the first – like the first – where she's talking about them, the milk fund and all that. Right, yeah. At first when they were going to do this, um, she um, – at first she – I guess she was obviously, I can imagine, super nervous, didn't – like was late. Like she couldn't come out of the dressing room for an hour or so. And um, then when she did come out, they were like, well, why don't – you know – He's like, well, why don't we rehearse a little bit, and kiss a little bit, and then we'll then we'll go to see. She's like, no, I can, no, we'll just do this. It'll be fine. And so that I think ticked him off that he uh, she was in control of that. And so they did it. It was amazing. They didn't need to practice. It it was like a one take. It was one of those like, well, we got it. You know, yeah. when she's good, she's good. And so when they did the daily, they watched the dailies the next day after the scene. Tony Curtis gets up and he's like, and that's it was like kissing Hitler or something like that. But now I know why he said that. See, he's because for the longest time I was like, why would you call her Hit? Like that's a you know I never really knew the context behind it. I'm like, oh you you said that because she was in control. Like she mm-hmm. she wouldn't let you she wouldn't let you. So that was your way. You know you were just. But he said it offhandedly. Jack Lemon recalls the story. Other people in the room recall the story. He's like, I never said that. I never said and then right <laughs> they cut to Jack Lee. He's like, No, he totally said that. I remember. That's I was a- like, I couldn't believe it. No, we'll never forget that. Because all of us were like, Whoa, what what? Uh, Whoa. Like it was not huh, cool, dude. Wow. Not cool, bro. Not cool. Yeah. So and then they were all super worried that that, because her coach was in the, like, Marilyn wasn't in the room for the dailies, but her stupid coach, oh, coercive control, Natasha, what's-her-face was there. So they're all just shitting bricks because they're like, yo, she's already got enough problems, and now this bitch is going to take that back to her and say that she, this this asshole called her Hitler. We're going to have problems. So shit like that. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's, I didn't know that story. That's so fascinating. But, um, yeah. Yeah. That's 
And that was not a bad Tony Curtis impression, too. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, Tony Curtis is an interesting person because at first you almost think he's Italian, but he's not. I think he's, he's, he's Jewish. Jewish. Yeah, yeah, he's Jewish. But he's got that very um, kind of like um, New York way of talking that reminds me so much of my grandmother. It's like, so they come Brooklyn. From that he's got time. such a Brooklyn accent. Very much. Like, yeah, yeah. And, Brooklyn, yeah. And when you're if once there, you're always there. So like uh-huh. even, you know, you could this, you could be living 70 years out of that of that area and you're still there's still little nuances you'll mm-hmm. hear and, and it's the it's the pattern in which they speak and so but yeah, yeah he's got that real distinctive i don't know i just maybe i've just watched a lot of tony curtis interviews <laughs> he's hilarious he's fascinating and he was a great storyteller uh, whether yeah. it was true or not he's just he, he has a great voice you can tell he has a real passion for mm-hmm. who his craft or whatever and he's one of those dudes that as irony would have it has a ton of daughters <laughs> after being this like it's always these guys that like they're always like these ladies men i'm like what's yeah. dude you end up having like six daughters but yep. they all seem to have a good relationship with him like i sent you that little uh oh, yeah, Tony Curtis biography and it was another one probably made in the early 2000s and yeah. it had um it had uh, Jamie the Curtis and his other um, daughters and people talking about him, and and I thought it was really sweet. It was really cool. So mm-hmm. you know, these I are people from another time. Like, <laughs> he had a lot. I know he had a lot of kids. Because yeah, you only he had a lot hear of about Jamie Lee, and like after he divorced Janet, it was like you don't really know what. I just didn't follow his like marriage. Yeah, it wasn't anything that I really made it was important to me. But um, well, that's like uh, no. Cary Grant. You know, Cary Grant's got a daughter who's what maybe a little bit younger than me or a little bit older than me like he went huh. and had like he got married oh, to a way life, younger yeah. wife and then he yeah. had like a late in life one late in life daughter oh wow. maybe she was in the maybe she's a little yeah but like it was that sort of thing where it just like he was the, like the older old hollywood dad <laughs> but oh, she said she wrote she wrote a book about it and said he was a fantastic dad I'm that's sure, the thing about like, you know. that's the thing it's like you know like who he, you know, he sounds like he had like he he went decades. He never really lived out, but he lived in right. relationships with other men. And then yeah. t- toward the end of his life, he marries a woman, has a child, and is by all accounts a great dad. So, yeah. like anyway, I don't know why we ended up talking about Carrie. I don't know. We're just like really going all over the place. <laughs> oh, yeah. but the new Carrie. Gr- oh my God! But the secret oh, history of Hollywood's coming the- out. It's coming out. I just uh, got the whole Oh my God! I can't wait. Can't wait. Sorry, anyway, sorry guys. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, the newest secret history of Hollywood. I'm so excited for that. Um, I'm actually probably going to end up uh, doing a Patreon to get this money. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to be really, really good. Um, um, we have talked almost for a full hour, Justin. We haven't even talked about the storyline, so I can oh, right. go yes. that this episode if you want. I mean, it's we all. I mean, I mean it's a pretty easy um, storyline. It's like you know, but um, yeah. I would like to talk more about the clothes too. Please so I mean, we talked do. pretty closely about the Maryland stuff. But was there anything else that you wanted to? I mean, uh, another thing, one thing about Maryland's looks that I wanted to highlight was the fur that she wears with her first Thank stage look you <laughs> well oh, i was all, gonna i was gonna talk about the other stole but yes <laughs> oh well let we can talk about that too because okay. the fur that she wears when she's um the first perform her um you know her gown her the first nude gown that she wears um the um i want to be loved by you she has a, a wrap that's actually looks like it's a full circle like it's ri- like a ring pretty much it's like uh, but in the inside of it is a sheer fabric that's beaded and sequined so when pay attention oh. to that because that's like super 
super inspiring for me. I'm like, hmm, maybe I need to do that for somebody, you know? Um, a little like fur stole that's got like, that has like a sheer piece on the center, which would be so glamorous between the pelts, which would be everything. Is that, wait, is that the same stole that she wears when she goes on the yacht? Or is yes, that the, it's the yacht when she goes okay, on yeah, the yacht. Okay, yeah, because that was the one I was that's talking about where the, it's, yes. it's almost like a half moon. It's it's like a wrap, but then it's got, um, and it's like two rows of fur, but then in, in between that, there's like a, like a little bit of like mesh fabric to yeah. make it drop at the center back. Yeah. So it like drapes around your, yeah, I want to do that. And I want to do, see, I want to do that. If you look at it, it glitters too. So it's got I did that doodle. Yeah. yeah it's so cool. I'm like, <laughs> that is so cool. And then yeah. when her coat too, when she, she has a beautiful, um, her coat and her coat when she's on the, um, platform, the train platform at the beginning. Yes. When you first see her and all, of course, monkey, that's all monkey. I was going to say monkey it's fur. Yeah. Really beautiful. Like it's, you know, it's not ethically sourced. I'm sure, but it's it like, reminds me of the, the beautiful girls montage from uh, Singing in the Rain. And yes, they're like, uh, when she's the, the one being monkey fur. Yeah, <laughs> monkey fur. Um, beautiful girl. <laughs> and in the summer, it's organdy that keeps you fresh and cool. <laughs> I love the way they always do those, like, sing talking. Is like anyone for tennis? <laughs> beautiful girl oh my god uh, yeah so her fur uh, so the call if you were ever wondering that's like the fur collar and the fur on the trim on the bottom of her skirt is all monkey fur mm-hmm. and they actually do they can do it different ways where they you either put the nap down so it's long and drapey or you can actually do it nap upward and it like kind of curls over like, like a party like, favor like a party yeah <laughs> you look like a you look like a you know a centerpiece on like a really you know a cheap centerpiece at a wedding or something where yeah, it's like cray yeah. paper um, but it's really <laughs> cool the way that they do it and I think Mackie used some and like um and some things that he did for Cher like back in the Cher show and stuff it's some yeah. it's actually really it's really very cool. dramatic and no, I mean I can imagine dramatic. like it, it's because it's so big it probably looks amazing on stage because mm-hmm. it's just super luxe and like you said completely Trade, not Desmond. <laughs> not eco-friendly whatsoever <laughs> sorry monkeys um I don't even think they use monkey fur anymore um I mean and even just the my... saying monkey fur sounds so gross to me I don't know. <laughs> I'm like that shit better snap on and snap off because I don't want this on my dress <laughs> you're like I love your gown thanks it's monkey fur <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and then there's some I love the like the gown that Jack Lemon wears when he's um, tangoing with Joey Brown is so funny. Oh, it's like, fantastic. He's so like all black and evening wear and like beaded and so cute. He's got his little hair band, which I love the idea that they had to like quickly get on, like they had to quickly like go on the run from the from the mafia, but then they managed to like They managed buy... to get an entire uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. trousseau <laughs> of entire on-trend beaded gowns <laughs> Evening Lingerie, wear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Millinery. It's so good. It's like, how did they get jewelry. this stuff? <laughs> the shoes alone. I, I know. <laughs> So good. Oh God. And then the like the all the I mean the Sweet Sue character. She was so funny too. It was constantly Sweet Sue had some really great outfits. Mm-hmm. And and Sweet Sue and and some of the other characters you really could see it, it, where they were doing the whole like um, 1950s trying to be 1920s with the hair because yeah. it was like very very sculpted and uh, I would say almost like a little a little wiggy. But I, I mean wiggy. again this is not in any way even a criticism. Just kind of pointing out like the differences of that being like 1950s versus 1920s yeah. but they did i think that they did try to do 
what they could as far as like they gave her like a lot of soft dressing like sweet sue like even when she's conducting yeah. the band they have her in like the almost like kimono like tops and the silk tops and you do see a lot of that too the bell sleeves and little dag sleeves oh, yeah, and everything yeah. that little so nice cute. touches that like that and like the wide v-necks and like they really tried to incorpor- incorporate little uh, nuances of the twenties, and I just can't help but think it's probably because the people working on this probably were in the tw- like came right, from yeah. movie- making movies in the twenties. So <laughs> now that I, it's funny, now that I think about it, like why there's really no reason outside of the Saint the outside of the Saint Valentine's Day Massacre to to make this movie period twenties. Like it no. honestly, there's no reason, and or it's like Not I at guess all. I mean. Even train travel still would have been normal in the like the fifties. Oh yeah, late, late telegrams, 50s. everything, like, tele- all of yep. that would have been like it just doesn't almost make sense why it's in the twenties. Like, and then I'm thinking about like other movies that were in the sixties that were about the twenties and stuff. Like, you know, Thoroughly Modern Millie was in the twenties, yeah. and like, why was it always the twenties? Was is always like the go to? And then it made me think of like I listen to this podcast called Bitch Sesh, and they talk about real. Oh yeah, guys, yeah. And they're just like, if we have to watch another goddamn Gatsby party, I swear oh. to God, I'm gonna kill myself and 100%. i'm like i guess I we've all i guess it's like why are we we are always obsessed with the 20s for some dumb reason and of course oh, we're all please. Doing... if i had a dollar for every shitty flapper costume i yes. sold back in the day I mean, yes and please, that's the thing you know? though is in that and it's like everyone's like like we'll do the 20s and like you're not doing the 20s you're you just not even close. just wear a fringe gown like yeah. or a fringe dress it's like that's all they want to do it's, it's just like, another <laughs> excuse to be slutty and basic I know, and because the really hair is, exactly and the hair is never right and the costume no they get the cheapest like wig and if if they even do that and then they get the stupid like stretchy band of of like sequins around around their head a sequin sequin elastic yeah with one little sad ostrich feather that's like you know a court like just just off to the side yeah or one yeah one short like ostrich or one peacock feather that doesn't make sense with the rest of the outfit it's like all gold and then just one peacock feather I'm like that doesn't okay yeah (laughs) I mean we could get really brutal here because <laughs> we've but seen it, some pretty shitty I know but it's just <laughs> interesting I I was thinking about that I'm like why the 20s like it that's one question that it it's doesn't I think it's it, I think because it symbolizes party time to basic maybe, people you maybe, know it's maybe. like it symbolizes like excess and party time and the good old days and this very fast and loose way of history and like right. being kind of controversial you have like Bonnie and Clyde and the gangsters and them and the flappers so it's this very like you know, um, like flashy and bad and decadent and sort of that kind of thing, you know, yeah. and it's, I, I mean, um, it is one of those, it's like a romantic period that people, and, and, are, I can, and I'm not even saying it bad because it could be a gateway yeah. because I think people who don't know shit about history, maybe never grew up with old movies. This is often, it's like, well, I, when I first got that flapper costume, all of a sudden I just, I wanted to learn more about this time. So mm-hmm. I'm never going to yeah. fault anybody for <laughs> sometimes those yeah. shitty costumes are a gateway into learning more about history. Course, so I'm, yeah. I am or making your own or sewing. Mm-hmm. So like, I am here for it. But yeah, I think that's what it is. It's like, I remember even back in the, yeah, early to mid nineties, those were, it was enormously popular. I, mm-hmm. I used to work at a costume company where we rented costumes, but the ones we would sell or rent cost, it was like, it was a, it was a tube of satin with, <laughs> with the long chainette fringe sewn on oh, in, yeah. ro- in rows across it in like a coordinating color. And it cut straight across. It was basically a tube with it's two tube, straps yeah. on it. And the straps were usually uh, covered with or just com- expressly made out of that stretch um, sequin, that sequin, sequin elastic. <laughs> which would also be a matching band across your head. And if you really got jazzy, across your arm. So, and you had your long ba- pearls and, and uh, you know, whatever pair of shoes you had in your closet and a pair of fishnets. And then you were a 
flapper, right? You're a yeah. flapper now. So. Mm-hmm. I totally, <laughs> and if you're a dude, you just put on whatever you have that's a, a bit of a suit and you carry one of those shitty suit. plastic Tommy uh, guns yeah. and then there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you got a suit? Add a, add a, um, add a yeah. whatchamacallit, um, a fedora. No, do you have a button-down shirt and a pair of pants that aren't jeans? Just put those on, roll up the sleeves, put on a shitty yeah. fedora with a Tommy gun and suddenly yeah, we'll, you're Al Capone. <laughs> we'll give you a third place in the costume contest if you have suspenders. <laughs> Please. We've all been to those costume contests and you know that those are the bitches who win. Not uh, people like you and me who are dressed like we actually do this Say, for you know what <laughs> i don't do it for the i don't do it for the trophies <laughs> yes, i do, do it for the satisfaction <laughs> but yeah i just i, I was yeah that was a thing you, that I, you say that 20s, next time you like, see the guy wearing the jack-in-the-box head win first prize okay yeah. you say that next- <laughs> it's like he needs it i don't he actually does <laughs> that's true touche Oh my goodness. Oh god. This one was a good one to talk about. There's um Oh yeah such a such it's wonderful film like that. Um like talk talk about stuff. No, no, it's true. And I think that this is a great one too, because like you said, it's um I know they they did it in black and white. Um one of the things I thought was really interesting was that at that time, um Marilyn in her contract, which oh, yeah. who knows if this was even what she, her she was only supposed to do colored color movies. Right. So that was something that had to be like kind of she had to be like they had to convince or negotiate that like, no, no, this is set in the twenties, so we really wanna have this like we want to do it in black and white for this reason. So that was like, because people didn't, you know, they had to sort of justify that at the time. But black and white from that time is so much more crisp and clear yeah. than like a black and white movie from 20 years prior to that. So it really, I don't know, it worked. I, I mean, really loved it. the version that's on Amazon Prime is like crystal Super clear. crisp, it's yeah. really nice. So they, yeah. it must have been like, a, maybe they got the Criterion version or something like the, 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 yeah. edit, the, 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 but the, it's, beautiful it's like it looks amazing and they did a great yeah. job on the restoration or the main, main oh yeah that, and so. that's that's what i'm saying is like even, and with the restoration you can really see just how perfectly beautiful all the clothes fit mm-hmm. i mean you can re- you can see the little beads on her on his dress on like uh jack lemon's dresses and how beautifully patterned they are and just like um yeah it's just it's a quality movie um i was gonna say the one thing i i forgot a special shout out also to the beautiful swimwear that they do there's a great oh, scene yeah. where they all go down to the beach and yeah. all the girls are in like the early jansen style like knitted wool um one piece bathing suits that like have the kind of like side boob like they cut they're cut kind of low on the sides yeah. but they don't really show boob it's just kind of the way they're cut um and honestly i know this sounds weird but one of my fa- my favorite piece from this movie the co- i'm i'm obsessed with that little white terry trench cloth robe that, that oh, she has yeah. when she's at the beach mm-hmm. and she wears it through a pretty good little chunk of the film where she's you know running around and she's in the hotel and stuff but i love i want to make that i want to make that robe robe. it is so so cute cute. it's got like three quarter little bell sleeves and you can tell it has like a wide like facing inside probably to like cuff it Mm -hmm. but um and i didn't realize at first i thought it was a little wrap robe but then when i was really watching it this i was like oh no it's like a trench coat it's got like a little it's got like a little yoke with the buttons on it like the little like vent flaps and then it's like double breasted in front with a little notch collar and i'm like oh my god i want one i want one that is and that would be so easy not easy but you know what i mean like that's doable as far as like something to make but guys check out that robe even if it was just a few inches like longer that would be the cutest freaking thing to wear like for the beach or just like palm springs or 
Wednesday, whatever. <laughs> Wednesday. You know, like when you're taking a shower, but then like oh, someone comes yeah. to the door and it's really important. You got to throw something on. Like that's the kind of robe you can throw and not be like, oh my God, I look crazy. Like a crazy <laughs> cat lady. <laughs> Does it have like flowers embroidered on it? <laughs> like, I know, right? <laughs> or it just, it doesn't have like a muumuu look. I love that it's like, like it's the look of a trench coat, but it's a robe, like a terry oh, yeah. cloth robe. I never That's even like genius. It does have like the right? flaps and stuff. Like. It has the and it's like double breasted. But the thing is, whenever she's wearing it, it's always it's just lightly belted the whole yeah. time, and it's so she never really fully closes it. And she's moving a ton when she's wearing mm-hmm. it. I'm like she's falling down, she's playing ball, she's looking for booze, she's doing a lot. <laughs> and so like, <laughs> but um, but yes, yeah, so you don't really. It was like when I started seeing, I was like, oh, is that a button? Oh, oh no, it's a little yoke in the front. Oh, Oh my god and then i realized i'm like oh it's and then i saw some still pictures online yeah. and it um where it's it's a bit more you can kind of see the full thing and it's like the front of it's like a trench coat like it's like double breasted oh totally yeah that's so cool but um, that's like that's i mean i can also like like that's my that's my second favorite white robe that marilyn wears because i love <laughs> the one she wears in how to marry a millionaire with the turban <laughs> oh yes true yeah god yeah this movie, this movie just keeps like, on you know what marilyn needs Another white robe with bell sleeves. <laughs> I think it's the implied nudity. <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah, that's the thing about Marilyn too. It's like she was, you know, men and women both loved her. She wasn't like, you know, loved by men, hated by women. Like right, yeah. women loved her. We love her. Like yeah. you know, she's like you said. There's something about her where you just want to like, you know, not just even protect her, but you're like, hey, do you need a friend? Yeah. Trying to just like. <laughs> You want a cup of coffee? You okay? <laughs> Man, Are you okay? I totally agree. <laughs> exactly. Are you okay? <laughs> that or you're just like, who do, who do I need to beat up to make you feel better? <laughs> <I know. laughs> That's probably how Joe DiMaggio felt most of his life. Yeah. yeah. Goodness. Um, yeah. Anyway. So this movie just keeps on giving. There's so much yeah. good stuff. Yeah. You guys really check it out if you've never seen it or if you have friends who have never seen this Mm -hmm. movie or kids or whatever. This is an awesome movie to like sit down and watch because it's It's worth a revisit. I'll tell you. Totally worth it. I haven't. I had had seen it a few times before, but this watching it this time really did a really was worth it. Like really paying attention to it. Really. There's a lot of nuance and stuff in this film that is worth checking out. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. And the costumes and the. The Coronado Hotel is just—it's stunning. It's an absolutely it's stunning so location. Good. So it's just full. You want if you want full escapism for mm-hmm. a solid about two hours, check this movie out. <laughs> totally, totally. And well, oh, and also as a supplement, mm-hmm. check out—it's on—it's on YouTube. Check out Nobody's Perfect. It's by the I'll BBC, uh, and um, I'll send you a link to it. So if you want to watch it, I mean, well, it's not that it's going to do good link. now, but yeah, no, it's, Too on, late it's now. on YouTube. <laughs> it was on YouTube because you oh, know, okay. like I was trying to do you know um, a little bit of research, but I don't have a lot of my books aren't unpacked, so um, oh. I was just looking for stuff on um, you know I I literally googled like. Um, you know some like a hot documentary because you never know like there's all and so i found it it's called uh nobody's perfect the making of some like it hot with monroe curtis and lemon Mm. and of course it was done by the bbc so it's fantastic um they're doing (laughs) the lord's work they just you know they really are really good at doing um looks at hollywood i love when the british do like 
do doc I, or you know uh, I love when other people do documentaries about us because yes. sometimes it's, it's hard for as you know as Americans <laughs> it's really hard for us to look inside ourselves right. <laughs> so uh, some of us appreciate the constructive criticism so <laughs> just saying <laughs> help, us. help us help us <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah well but also too uh, I was gonna say about this documentary it's it was made um, in the like I think early 2000s maybe 99 so you it's uh, there you get Jack Lemon and you get Tony Curtis bef- you know like when they were still around to talking oh, about yeah. this movie and other people too like other people who sadly are no longer with us but um, you know like I, so I want to say like the early 2000s probably the very last of like some of those quality like some of those people that we were able to record and get before they passed away. You know yeah. what I mean, and um, that's uh, I love seeing you know. those too. When you see somebody who like, like they got they you know at least get those things those stories down on film like or me on, too on yeah tape. It's just it's worth it. It's really beautiful. Like it's really yeah. nice to hear these memories. And you know what yeah. I really love too, and and I think uh, Tony Curtis is a good example of this. But other people, Dominic Dunn is a good example of this. People who can reflect on their life as when they're older and go. Yeah, I, I maybe wasn't so good here, or I was here, but I'm, but I'm, a, I like they. They're people who've evolved over time. Like they're yeah. not like stuck in their ways. They are yeah. changed people. They are open to the world around them and things changing, and you know, trying to be a good person. And I feel like uh, I always enjoy when people can be reflective about, especially something like you know, making movies and things that we love. I think it's really cool, you know, when people can be like, I was kind of an asshole, but you know, I, I, I realize that now. <laughs> you know, and you're like, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> He's a big person to do that, yeah. Yeah, well, like I, I, I cite the uh, the Dominic Dunn. There was a documentary he had done shortly before his life. Um, it's also on Amazon Prime, but that's a really good one too because huh. it's um, it he's reflecting on his life and it, while he's covering the first um because there were two the lana clarkson trial oh right yeah when phil specter had murdered her so it was really about him and sort of reflecting on his life and all the work he had done and how he really admits to like having there were moments when he was just he's like i was just an asshole like i was i was not good like i i wrote things about people that were very ugly and it was not good right and like the effects that had in his life and his social life. And, you know, I mean, it was just, it was, re- that's a really good one too. Dominic Dunn is like, wow. Cause he was so good at like talking and telling <laughs> stories about these celebrities and wealth and, and this kind of like, you know, um, yeah, he used to do a, a show on a called, uh, Dominic Dunn's power, privilege and justice. Uh, Highly recommend. Cause he would cover a lot of these court cases of, uh, famous people and celebrities and things yeah. they went through. So anyway, I don't know why I went on that, uh, but because it's good stuff. That's yeah. Why. I just I just want to talk about quality for yeah. a moment. <laughs> oh man, um, was there anything else we wanted to cover on this before we call it a day on this? Call it a wrap on this episode. Gosh, I don't I know. know. I, I guess that's about it. I mean, I, mean, I'm I, sure I just we'll think um, of stuff. <laughs> yeah, but. I mean, if you guys uh, if you guys are out there like listening to other stuff on old Hollywood, you know, let us know. I've been yeah. uh, I've been listening to. Um, I just recently finished listening to the. Um, I think it TCM did it on uh, Peter Bogdanovich. Oh, yeah, I need to that listen to that That was really one. good because you're, you know, uh, the Manx did it. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was super good. He is a very good interview. It was really, it it, it was good. Class. Yeah. Really, really good. But it was also really interesting that that came out right around the same time the latest, yeah. you must remember this, came out with Polly Platt, The Invisible Woman, which is 
so good. I is think it? this might be. I have, I'm behind Phillip, on some episodes. I need to listen Phillip, to. Philip, this to... might be some of her best work. I, oh, really? I shit you not. Huh. It is fantastic. Wow. She's got different people doing voices. Nice. It's. I'm. I feel like I'm learning so much. I'm learning yeah. so much, and some of it's. It's very sad. It's oh, heartbreaking. Yeah. I, as a woman, as a woman right. who does these things, I relate to a lot of that, and just the idea of like you know, um, living your life so selflessly for others around you and just being that care and then doing all that and trying to pursue your own dream. But this woman did so much. And I had no Mm. idea that I haven't seen a lot of the movies she worked on, but a couple of the ones that she did, I didn't realize how much I loved. Like I just listened to the latest episode where they talk about the making of Paper Moon and I could not stop crying because I love that movie so much. I really loved that movie. I remember seeing it as a little kid and it's again, a black and white movie made in the seventies, but it's about the Dust Bowl and it's just like father daughter. But I remember watching it and thinking, who is that girl? Like Tatum O'Neill just, I was just like, I, I relate to you. You are like me, you know, like, so, and then to hear how, like about the making of that. And, um, it was so touching, but please guys, it's so good. If you haven't started listening or haven't listened you must remember this, it's out there. And she's, She's got several years going now, but I think the latest season called uh, Polly Platt, The Invisible Woman's awesome. Oh, really wow. awesome. Yeah. I've been. Uh, and thank it's, you. It's <laughs> interesting. Uh, it's interesting. Since working from home, I've kind of like fallen off of podcasts recently. For some reason, I'm just like not yeah. listening to them for some reason. So I need to get back in on those so that I can. I need to catch up on some of those. There's a lot that I need to. I, I, I don't really know why. Back on my tr- I, I, I cut back on my true crime ones. I don't mm. know why. I just can't do them right now. Yeah. It's not doing it for me. It's like. Like they're bumming me out and I, I know duh but like <laughs> hey, never I mean, you know it, it, but like I haven't been able to out. do that so um I've been uh, listening to that and then uh, other ones I can find on history and then my latest one that's my favorite it's on Earwolf called Bananas for Bonanza oh for the love I've of heard God. about that one I have to watch that that's Please check it out. It's a complete escape. It's so funny. It is so funny. It's these dudes who are like, well, one guy, he's supposed to be like this poet laureate of the West. So he's this like, he's this like guy. He's, he's, he's like a cowboy, right? So uh-huh. he's got this, and it's, these are all actors in the earwolf thing, you know, doing this, but, but it's, it's basically these two dudes who are like super into Bonanza and they're like, <laughs> kind of just like rednecks like your typical kind of like <laughs> and then they have another person a third w- a woman on there and they're all like huge fans of the show bonanza and the third one on there is a, a character played by maria bamford who again very oh, very so funny good. woman She's and she best. plays a woman from the midwest who has a multi-level marketing company oh my God. and she sells um religious um things for jesus but it's also multi-level marketing and she kind of talks like this and they oh my god it's so funny please bananas for bonanza you guys it's so funny and i it makes it it like it's uplifting because it's so (laughs) silly (laughs) oh my god well there's all your recommendations you'll ever need (laughs) well i mean stuff to listen to i was gonna say do you have any well you said you haven't really been listening to podcasts i've I've been falling off because i've just been i don't know why but being at home and listening to stuff is just kind of i don't know why it's not happening for me but um yeah i'll probably get back up on stuff recently i've been just watching a lot of the movies that we need to watch for our podcast and like for sure i've been um i've been binge watching literally binge watching uh mary tyler moore on hulu so i mean talk about looks i mean that show's got amazing looks i'm not i'm not 
I'm not happy that Rhoda eventually leaves the show, but you know, it happens. No one ever was. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And there wasn't even a big deal. She just wasn't in the next episode. And yeah. Just mm. like, where's Rhoda? And they never. Not into that. Took forever to address it. And I was just like, mm, no, I'm not into it. Um, but yo, anyway, so that's how I've been spending my time. So <laughs> not a lot of, not, not a lot to recommend, but you've got plenty to talk about you I mean all of those are good and I can't wait to I need to get, uh, catch up on those so which I will so <laughs> put it on my to-do list um for sure but um yeah thank you everybody for listening um yes thank this, you uh yeah I don't know about why I'm spacing out you can keep in touch with us on <laughs> social media um oh old Hollywood realness on Instagram and Facebook OHR podcast on Twitter join the Facebook group OHR podcast darlings d-a-h-l-i-n-g-s and um you can interact with other listeners from the show it's really great there are people are sharing links and stuff for stories or movies that they're watching and documentaries which is great I love that um I love people awesome. sharing resources it's wonderful uh thank you so much to Mr. Hal Lublin for his vocal talents at the top of the podcast, keeping us sounding fresh and profesh as always. Um, if you haven't, go uh, give us a five star rating and review us over on iTunes would be fantastic. Helps us out with um, visibility, and visibility is important, of course. Um, and yes. uh, that's pretty much all I got. And thanks for listening to OHR Maraca Sound. <laughs> Bye. Test, test, beep, boop. Test, test, beep, boop. Boop, boop, beep, boop.